the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Get ready to take notes because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Abigail Johnson. Welcome to Education America, where we are working to save the classroom so that we can save the country. Join the conversation. K-12 education is the playing field where the battle is on for the future of our country. And as the 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, succinctly stated, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. And boy, how true that is. Abigail, it's so great to be with you again in studio. And it's been a wonderful couple of weeks here, lots of snow in Minnesota. (laughs) And we're looking forward to welcoming our guest. I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce him. Tonight we have invited Mr. Ken Pope, who is the CEO of the Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation. The foundation was established to educate America's rising generations about communism. Education is at the heart of the foundation. In fact, their mission is to educate future generations about the ideology, history, and legacy of communism. On this front, the foundation recently opened the Victims of Communism Museum out in Washington, D.C., This past summer and are about to launch their first digital curriculum on communism, a history of repression, violence and victims. Mm -hmm. Mr. Ken Pope is the CEO of the Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation. Previously, he had a 34 year career in the U.S. Army, consulting industry and academia serving Europe, the Middle East and Central America. Ken has had over 12 years of operational fieldwork as an Army FAO with a focus on Russia and various areas in the uh, overseas, and the secu- along with security issues with assignments in Russia, Ukraine, Estonia, Azerbaijan, and numerous other locations. Ken has also served as an assistant professor at the Center for Intelligence and Security Studies at the University of Mississippi, where he taught courses on intelligence, advanced analytics, senior capstone program, and led the center's national security simulations. We are so thankful to welcome him in studio today. Mm -hmm. So Ken, 34-year career in the U.S. Army is really astounding. And I think I said to you before we went on air, um, we're grateful for your service to this country. And Mm -hmm. I just want to say it publicly as well. Thank you so much for your service to this country. 
Oh, thank you very much. Uh, just a quick correction on that. So it's, it was 23 years career in the Army, and the rest of it was consulting in academia. Oh, oh okay, okay, okay. Our person got that incorrect. Sorry about that. But oh, that's still, a- 23 years is still nothing to uh, <laughs> to write or, or is something to write home about. It's pretty amazing. So um, we're very, very grateful to have you on and for your com- continued commitment to serving your country and those who have perished from communism. So... Um, before we talk too much about the the museum itself, um, let's talk a little bit about what communism is itself. You know, so many people will uh, say, oh, you know, if you say that something is communist, you're being, um, you know, kind of extreme and, and you're not really describing things accurately and uh, people associate it with these extreme um Things that happened in China and in, in um, and in Russia and what have you, but unfortunately they think, oh, nothing like that could happen again now. And so when you use the word communism, people tend to think you're an extremist. And yet, we really are seeing a lot of signs of communism rearing its ugly head again. And so I think it's important for our listeners to know what communism is. Uh, itself, and um, talk a little bit about what it is for us. Okay, yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll give you how we refer to it here at the foundation, at the museum, and how we talk about it when we're mm-hmm. when we're you know, teaching or giving giving tours of the museum. Mm-hmm. So for us, communism is it's a totalitarian system of government in which you have a, a single party, the authoritarian state, mm-hmm. and it eliminates all private property. It owns and controls everything that means production. That's one of the things you always hear when, when, you, when you talk about Marx. Mm-hmm. It's it's the final stage of society in Marxist theory just after socialism, mm-hmm. um, in which the state they profess is going to wither away and all the economic goods are going to be distributed equitably across across the land. Mm-hmm. Uh, never happened anywhere it's ever been tried. Right. Well, when you stop and think about it, I mean, it's it's absurd to think that a state is going to completely wither away and that people right. who are human and at the core sinful are going to somehow just make sure that everything is equal. It's it's an impossible it's an impossible notion. It really is. And I mean, and when people argue about it, they 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 want to argue that capitalism. So capitalism and democracy are real systems, a real for, real form of government. And they're they're in place and they're functioning flawed, granted, um, and they're open for critique. Um, but communism is really not a real system. It's it's never been instituted as a reality. It's utopian. So it, it's never really been achieved. Right. The best way to think of it is really a myth. It's never been what they've said it's going to be. Mm-hmm. It provided a lot of other things, a lot of death, misery, and destruction, mm-hmm. but never really this utopia, this paradise on earth without God, which is what, what they were trying to sell, mm-hmm. um, that never worked. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. I love that you call it a utopian ideal because that's really what it is. And unfortunately, what we hear from various groups that are proponents of socialism and ultimately communism, but they won't typically use that term, um, is that they'll say, well, in the previous times, they didn't do it quite right. And if we do it just right, then then it's going to work. And, you know, you point to Venezuela or some of these other failed systems more recently and they'll say, well, no, that's not that's not exactly what we're asking to do. Their situation was different because of X, Y, Z. You know, how do you how do you address that with our 
culture today when people say things like that? Well, I, I just tell them that you, know, you hear that argument quite a bit. Well, it was it was not done right, or mm-hmm. it was not done how as, as you know Marx or the the fathers of the theory intended. And I argue that that's that's completely incorrect. It was done exactly as they as they envisioned and intended. They did pretty much every country you've looked at. They've done the same core things mm-hmm. that Marx said had to you had to do to achieve communism, and in every case, it it broke the system. Mm-hmm. It, everything completely shut down. Because you have to remember what Marx said in his theory. It's, he's out to destroy everything associated with the old and usher in this new. Mm-hmm. And the new is, you know, is something that never works. And you never get to this idyllic system, this utopian system that, that he envisioned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very interesting, isn't it, that he would go to his grave still thinking that this was maybe going to work and happen. And there are still people these prophets, it's almost as though it's the people, like you said earlier in your conversation, you said something about the fact that this was to show that you could do a godless society. And it's it seems that that is what perpetuates people's belief in this, is that they don't want to believe in a god. So this is a way for them to have an alternative um, and and still pat themselves on the back, maybe? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's an excellent point and, and one that I was going to try to cover when we're here. So if you think about what they what they were after, communism seeks again to destroy all aspects of what Marx called at the time this bourgeois society. Um, and he said it was going to only be done by through violence and revolution. Yeah. So, again, destroying that old system to create the new system. And the first thing that had to go, as you as you highlighted, is God and religion. Yeah. Well, I'd like Let's form a government. Our, you know, we recognize in our founding documents that our rights come from our Creator, from God, mm-hmm. and those are enshrined in our, our Bill of Rights. When it, it boils down to it, that's what that tells people in the U.S. what the government cannot do to them. Mm-hmm. And Marx and Lenin, they, they flipped it on their heads, right? So they, all there is no God, so therefore all rights come from the communist government, the state, and it always devolves into some great dictator or leader mm-hmm. that becomes the God in the communist theology, or the ideology rather, becomes mm-hmm. the new theology, the new religion, the system. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what we have these, these problems. That's the only way this thing can be created. And the guys, even, I mean, some of the latter elements of, uh, of communist society in the Soviet Union, they even created their own Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. You know, really a... a a cynical you know, view of how we view that, you know, our, as a Christian, we view our Ten Commandments. Really? I did not. I wasn't aware of that. That's really interesting. Huh. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, want, I want to make sure that we give you the opportunity to also um, briefly just introduce the um, museum. We'll talk about that in the second half as well. But one of the things that you meant or that we found out in doing some research or maybe talking to you beforehand is that this Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation was actually authorized way back in 1993 by a unanimous act of Congress signed as public law by the President um, William Clinton at the time. And then there was a dedicated memorial statue by George W. Bush in 2007. I found this stunning that this was an act of Congress and here we have now a Congress that is actually I'm not sure that to, bill would have passed anymore. <laughs> I don't think that would I definitely don't <laughs> think that would pass today. Absolutely not. Um, but tell us, you know, what you would say about education, human rights, research, the memorial and the museum. Um, you know, how in the world was this authorized in the first place? And then why does it seem like it maybe sat quietly until just recently? I'm, you know, we're only hearing about this now. 
Right. I, okay. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with you 100. I always make that kind of that joke when I'm giving a you know talk about the foundation of the museum. Is that yeah, authorized by the unanimous act of Congress. Think about that. You know, anything yeah. trying to be anything they could possibly think of in this Congress today that being a unanimous act. Right. Just, but back then it was a unique time. So just you know. We had had the collapse of the Soviet Union. Uh, you know, you had the, the Berlin Wall comes down in 89. These countries that are the satellite states of the Soviet Union start disappearing. Um, and then you have the collapse of the Soviet Union itself in 91. Mm-hmm. And then, then you know, we, the, the elders of this program, um, the foundation, they decided, let's, let's try to get, you know, a monument to these one, over 100 million victims of people killed by the communist regimes around the world mm-hmm. and the 1.5 billion who are still under that system. Let's, let's do a monument for them. And that was the initial goal. And then our, our founder, uh, Lee Edwards, uh, was at brunch shortly after the dedication in 2007. And he and his wife, they kind of sketched out on a, on a napkin at the restaurant. Hey, let's do a museum. And it took, you know, it's, it's funded. We're privately funded. So it took you know, quite some time to, you know, find the property, you know, build the museum out and, and then go forward. But, mm-hmm. you know, now we are museums up and running as, as part of our education program. So we have, again, you, I think you hit you know, the key elements of what we do, education, human rights and research. Mm-hmm. So education, you know, multifaceted, you know, along with the museum, we have curriculum. We teach teachers how to teach about the topic of communism. We do what we call a witness project. We highlight those um, not only victims, but really heroes, people who have suffered under communism, made the escape um, or, you know, or become free. And then we, you know, capture their story. We have a speaker's bureau that has both academics that talk about the topic of communism and the various elements of it, but also those victims as well. We, we go out to different places, schools, universities, you know, public groups, uh, civic groups, and we'll, we'll talk to anybody about it. And we also do human rights. Mm-hmm. Today, mainly focused on the victims of past regimes, but, you know, more recently and, and a lot stronger today is focusing on the this incredibly violent, repressive regime in China today that, you know, does the the genocide against the Uyghurs. You, mm-hmm. you saw what happened in Hong Kong. Yes. There's so many horrible examples. Mm-hmm. And then the research, our, our key research area, again, is China. We do a lot of work on that, again, focusing on the genocide, the concentration camps, organ harvesting. And this we've re- recently released this uh, Xinjiang police file. We didn't do the hacking, but somebody hacked um, the police, state police in that region and exfiltrated all their files. I mean, terabytes mm-hmm. of data to us. And we're still going through it and publishing that information and, and testifying about it. Mm, which is... And that, that's where we are today. That's what we do. And we're you know, continuing to push on, on all these programs because the education that you hit on in, at the beginning of the show mm-hmm. is that so few people really understand what this thing is really all about yeah. and how horrible really is. Mm-hmm. And really how, how by the time so many people in those countries really understood the horrors of what was happening, there there were so many systems already in place that it was very hard at that point to stop mm-hmm. what had already been set up. And I think we're looking around, um, you know, Rebecca Hagstrom has founded Liberty Classical Academy here. It's a classical school here in Minnesota. So that's that's her day job when, when she's not moonlighting <laughs> here with me. And um, and it has an excellent history program. I actually just sneak into the classrooms and just listen and take notes in the back. Uh, but what is shocking to all of us is seeing how, you know, yes, our students are, are have the benefit of excellent teachers who really teach about these subjects in depth. Um, but so many 
have no idea, mm-hmm. have no idea that the the breadth and the depth of the horrors of communism. And mm-hmm. so I think that it is amazing what you're doing. Um, I've looked at the museum online and I'm already trying to figure out a way to come and visit you yeah. all in D.C. I have four little kids and I'm going, OK, how can I sneak away and get on the plane? <laughs> this looks amazing. <laughs> yep. But more than that, the the education that you all are doing to help mm-hmm. people see it's time to wake up now and realize that these things are still happening. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, well, you are listening to Education America on AM 1280, The Patriot, and we are uh, joined with Ken Pope, the CEO of the Victims of Communist Memorial Foundation in Washington, D.C., and it was established to educate America's rising generations about communism. So we're talking a little bit about the museum. I do want to pop back and also talk a little bit more about communism itself. I realized that I was eager to talk about some things that were on my mind, but there are some really good questions that we want to ask you that may help others understand things a little bit more. Um, what would you say um, are the main tenets of communism? And and then what does that look like in practice? I think we can all say it probably started with Lenin and and Stalin and Marx, right? Um, but is that what you would say? Did it start with with Karl Marx? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, there's there's always some debate about you know who actually coined the term and where yeah. it where it plays. So a lot of people think well, communism started um, in Russia, but really it started in Western Europe and it started in academic circles. That's kind of anybody. Mm-hmm. Where all, all these great bad ideas, you know, originally take place. But yes, it started. You know, we just we give Marx the credit because he published the manifesto. Yeah. Uh, and, and really, the interesting thing you're know, talking about the tenets of, of communism. What's mm-hmm. really interesting about it is he, just like I told you earlier, we have our our Bill of Rights, those first ten amendments of our mm-hmm. Constitution. Again, these guys not really very original. Mm-hmm. So Marx created in his manifesto that I encourage everybody to read, mm-hmm. not as a how-to, but as a, as a yeah. warning yes. of what. You know, of what you this can really you can really face when you try to go down this path. So mm-hmm. he described 10 measures you have to come up with. We talked about you know earlier that you, you've got to destroy God. That's like a prerequisite before mm-hmm. you get to the 10 measures. Mm-hmm. And when I had these discussions with some people who you know, seem to you know, be kind of enamored with the topic, uh, as you go down these 10 measures individually, the first couple they're they're all on board with. Because mm-hmm. they're young usually, and they don't really have anything, so it sounds okay. Mm-hmm. So the first one he talks about is abolition of, of property. So mm-hmm. nobody has private property more. You know, kids can get on board with that. Mm-hmm. Um, then it, number two, you get a, a progressive and graduated income tax, very heavy tax. And where they really start to fall off is abolition of all rights of inheritance. So mm-hmm. the kid who thought, I'm getting mom and dad's money, cars, <laughs> house, when they go, guess what? You're not. Mm-hmm. Then it comes down to confiscation of all property. Um, It starts with immigrants and rebels, as they call them, but then it goes into everything. Mm -hmm. Specialization of all credit in the hands of the state, so they control all the money. Mm -hmm. Again, if any of these things are sounding familiar, you're seeing those today, um, don't think, you know, we Americans are very arrogant. We think none of these bad things can happen because we're smarter than everybody else. Mm -hmm. Everybody who suffered under the system thought probably exactly the same thing before it went bad. Right. Then it goes into centralization of means of communication. Think of that as getting around, but also today the, the modern methods of how we communicate, right. you know, via Internet and communication mm-hmm. writ large. Mm-hmm. Everything owned by the state, production owned by the state. Mm-hmm. And this is one where you really lose all the kids. Equal liability of all to work and not where you want, where you're told. Exactly. You'll um, work. You'll do you'll do trash pickup. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do yep, something. Exactly. You're not going to do finger painting or mm-hmm. watercolors. You're going to go sort the trash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you like, I tell the, these guys that you know, if you're 
you're in the party, great. But if you run afoul of them somehow, yep. and you say you're a brilliant engineer, you thought you're going to work in D.C. or L.A. Or, or Chicago doing this great job. Well, you're probably going to be harvesting wheat on some collective farm in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And the next to last two is uh, distribution of population over the country. So they tell you where you're going to live mm-hmm. based on the needs of the nation, not what you want. Mm-hmm. And then it's the they call it free education of all children, but it's really not teaching the kids how to think, but what to think. Yeah. And that, those are the key elements. And everywhere, again, everywhere it's been tried, this was the ideology that started the foundation. Lenin used it. He amplified it. And it just it went horribly, horribly wrong, but predictably wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, again, if we you understand anything about human nature, people are not going to do well under this system. No, and they no. never, no, and they never do. No, they never do. That's good. So, um, what would you say in terms of um, the history? We know some of the crimes of communism. You know, have was you know throughout the revolution. But there was other there are other crimes of communism and and maybe you could address the past crimes, but then also the current crimes that we are now seeing under the communist regimes. Yeah, I think just if you go across the board, you know, what what are you going to see as you go down the system? Um, So I think it's important to talk about the characteristics of each of these systems, too. Political philosopher Hannah Arendt really kind of nailed it really well. It's, you know, six things. It's an official ideology, one party, authoritarian state, only one, mm-hmm. monopoly on all forms of violence. So think about your Second Amendment piece, mm-hmm. control of all information to include mass media. I mean, everything that you know makes a noise or goes anywhere provides information across. It's, it's under the state's control. Mm-hmm. Planned economy, centrally controlled. And the key one to keep it all together is a communist party controlled terroristic security service that does just that terrorizes people to keep them in line. Mm -hmm. So what are the crimes? So it's just from the very beginning with a system like that, you can just see flagrant human rights abuses. It's uh, Mm -hmm. it's if you go down the kind of list of how it started, it's first of all, people are denounced because they're not following along the lines. They, they lose their jobs. Um, They have their, resources confiscating their homes or houses. They're, they're homeless at that point. They're denied medical care, education for their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, so we think the cancel culture is something we invented. Not really. That started way back when, a little more robust back then. Mm-hmm. And it gets into extrajudicial killings. Then it goes into mass murder. Then it's just mass death due to this gross incompetence of the system. And then all along with the false imprisonment, the denial of this basic human rights, speech, religion, you know, right of assembly and all that. Mm-hmm. It all goes away. Mm-hmm. And, and they, we, we see so many signs of this, not to the same level of extreme in the U.S., um, but we see signs of it here. But um, you referenced China, and, you know, I, I think that it would be good for you to take some time to talk about how that's playing out in China. Yeah, so China is a, I mean, just a, a horrible um, example of what, you know, communism really on steroids. And I think the steroids are, you know, is the West enabling it? Yes. You know, you know we talk about, well, why is China this way? Well, because we, we buy all their stuff. Yeah. We kowtow to whatever they really want um, mm-hmm. us to do. Mm-hmm. If you think about all the corporations that are, you know, I, I like to say in bed with these guys, and, they, and clearly they are. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the most egregious are the NBA and others. But, you yeah. know, look at the things that they do. So we we know they're running concentration camps with the Uyghurs. Mm-hmm. Um, they're forcing sterilization. They're executing people, unlawful imprisonments, um, um, death by organ harvesting. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, something that we're still trying to research. We had one of our researchers found something that 
and again, we need, need to find out if it's you know, run it completely to ground. But mm-hmm. it's that China is the only country in the, on the planet that if you have enough money, you can schedule your own organ transplant. Now, think about what that, the implications mm-hmm. of that and how bad that is. Mm-hmm. You, know, if you have mm-hmm. to get on the waiting list until the right donor there. You can, they're, again, taking people who they consider undesirable and they're using their bodies as, as a resource. Unbelievable. And that is the communist, communist system. Mm. Uh, sickening. Absolutely. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Horrible. And we, you know, we have businesses. You know, think about some of the big name businesses that are over there doing business with them. And then on the same token, they are, they're lecturing people in the U.S. about how you know, the rest of us here about how we should act. Yeah. It's, it's offensive. Yeah. It's well, and it's so contradictory. I mean, they're obviously just saying what is convenient here and then going, it's almost like, you know, look over here. And so that right. we're not actually looking where we should be looking um, to to what they're really doing behind the scenes. Um, it's just disgusting. Um, well, with your communism museum, you had mentioned the the three focuses, which are really education, human rights, and research. Um, when I'm assuming it's open during the weekdays or weekends in Washington D.C. Uh, where in is it in Washington D.C. proper? Is it in Virginia? Uh, maybe you can tell us kind of a little bit more about the museum here in our final couple of minutes. Sure. So the museum, yes, it is. It is located about two blocks from the White House, so it's oh. in Home McPherson Square. Okay. Um, the address is nine hundred fifteenth Street Northwest in Washington D.C. And we are open Monday through Friday nine to three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, we're probably going to change that. And we're probably going to close one day during the week so we can open on the weekends, probably a Tuesday and then open Saturday in lieu of that. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit later on in the year. Entry is, is free. You can, you know, oh. book a space online or you can just do a walk in. We, we welcome everybody who wants to come in. There's again, no charge. <clears throat> we do, you know, request or suggest a, a $10 donation if you want to support the museum. Of course, if people want to give a lot more, we'd love that too. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure that's for sure. Um, and then you had talked about the fact that you're working on uh, curriculum, and we're going to talk about that in the next show. But are there other plans um, kind of in the next stage for the museum, plans for digital or physical expansion at all? Right. So our <clears throat> we, we described the museum this is phase one. So we, you know, it's kind of a boutique museum. It's small. It's not huge. Um, we have three permanent galleries. And then uh, a, on the on the first floor, the second floor, we have a temporary exhibit space with rotating exhibits. We had a Tiananmen Square that just left and we're bringing in one on Cuba um, in about a week. Hmm. And so that's always rotating every, every couple months. Okay. And then we, then we have the, uh, the three galleries down the first floor. It's, takes you from the beginning of the story, from where it started with Marx all the way through current day China. Mm. And we tell the stories in there. Um, we also have some event space up there where we do lectures and, and the like. So we, we, we have a, a good program, but we're going to be expanding it in phase two is a digital museum. Plus, you know, I we have a vision that we're trying to work through now of expanding the current space. We have space for probably a couple more galleries that we want to uh, explore, you know, building over the next year or so. And then Phase three um, is going to take a, a huge investment, you know, across the board. But we're looking to create a a museum on par with the Holocaust Museum, about the same oh, size. Wow, that would be great. 
you know, as, as horrible and tragic as the Holocaust was, you know, we were talking about probably 11 million people. When you, you think about the co- victims of communism, we're talking, you know, 10 times that number. Mm-hmm. And we just feel that just like the, the people who suffered on the, on the horrors of the Holocaust, the people who suffered on the horrors of the communist regimes need to have their story told, you mm-hmm. know, completely. We want to, we really want to do that. Yeah. So we need a much bigger space in order to do it. That's great. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. Okay. Well, Go ahead, Abigail. Well, and Mr. Pope, we are wrapping up our time here on this show. So everyone, we hope that you enjoyed listening to Mr. Ken Pope, learning about the victims of communism, Memorial Foundation. You can listen to us on anywhere anywhere there are podcasts at Education America, also at SaveTheClassroom.com, or at AM 1280, The Patriot. Have a good night, everyone. See you next week. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.